Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of the Crease Dive. Today is Friday, March 18th. The Ivies are shit kicking everybody. It is the revenge of the nerds. I'm Jordy from Barstool. With me, as always, we've got Brother Dukes on the mic. We are joined again by the Ivies' finest, Larkin Kemp. So, boys, how are we feeling this weekend? Uh, you know, what? Tell you what, this weather right now has got me feeling like it is prime time lax weather. Dukes, I know we've got a ton of basketball coming up here, but this is premium lax weather we've got. It's March Madness in the best game of the weekends, Maryland, Virginia. What's not to look forward to? Um, you know, another week like of lacrosse. That yeah, good. it's March Madness, but lacrosse is on my mind. Um, Larkin, thanks for joining us again. How are you feeling? Of course, it's good to be back, boys. Um, I mean, I couldn't be feeling better, to be totally honest with you. I guess just briefly – Great weekend, obviously brutal weather, but to Jordy's point, seems like we're kind of turning a leaf here, heading towards hopefully April and May, you know, you know, beautiful Sunday, Saturday lacrosse. So, um, candidly went out on a limb two months ago with you guys and basically spoke it into existence. So if we want to just jump right into it, I have some data on the fellas, all seven, by the way, Dukes, even Dartmouth showed up, which is stunning. They- that, that one, that one you couldn't sell me on. You still can't sell me on Dartmouth, but I, I had to eat my words on that. I texted you. I said I was wrong about Dartmouth. Okay, are we ready, boys? Listen, I even wrote this down. Seven men's programs, 29 and six. If you take away the Dartmouth loss, our five losses consolidated. UNC on the road. Maryland on the road. Ohio State neutral site. Georgetown at home. Penn State away. There are, that's not a single cupcake. That's basically not even a tier B. Mm. We'll get into Penn State later. Fine. I, I can live with that. But when people say, hey, it's early, wait for them to get later. To me, our non-conference this year was legit. Like Penn, Princeton, Yale, all of them have big time wins. We've really shown well and like couldn't be more proud for the fouls. For sure. You guys came back like you guys didn't skip a beat, the Ivies in general. I mean, that Harvard win against Michigan was huge because, I mean, I know you thought that Michigan was kind of cupcakes the entire time, but that's a huge win for, you know. I mean, let's, all right, let's, let's take a step back. And we did this. We, did, we went the sensitive route last time. Let's, like, reset the scene because, to a degree, I honestly had no idea what was going to happen this year. Like, as you all know, I'm a huge homer. I've been a microphone for the league. They easily could have laid an egg, and they would have had every excuse in the world. So for a group of individuals that basically their schools abandoned them, They've done nothing for them. On one hand, they were told to like, hey, go to class, like work hard, study the data. And on the other hand, you got literally schools with endowments the size of country saying we can't keep you safe. Harvard College, I can't keep my lacrosse team safe. Bentley College across the river, we, we're going to play ball. What have the fellas done since then? So for basically 12 months, 18 months, they're in a hellhole of the love of their life. This game that they want to play, that they know they can play at a high level. They literally are just like banging their head against their dorm room wall as they can't go to practice, can't lift with the fellas, can't go on bus rides, like can't do what they were put on this earth to do. Like you can't even imagine the type of scenario that is for a captain. Like when I was a captain, the biggest thing we had to deal with was like, who's hosting the mixer? Who's going to get the kegs? Like tough breakups. Like when are we leaving for the games? If you were a captain during COVID, it's like, how do I convince people not to transfer? How do I convince people to like stay in school, stay in shape? Like everything that they've known was gone to show up in February, March and quote unquote, shake the rust off 29 and six Dartmouth three and one Dartmouth hasn't won a, like a meaningful lacrosse game yeah. in a decade. Dartmouth is three and one receiving votes in the fucking poll. This is big boy shit. This is literally like mojo energy. I mean, what more can you say? Candidly, it's a double bird to the athletic administrators the endowments, the corporations, anyone who basically takes a paycheck from these schools, it is a double bird, and I love it. Boys in the room, just like rowing the boat. So happy for them. Real quick, I, as as a as a Pat Resch stan, I I do have to listen. Dartmouth, they're they might not be a great program, but but they're. Uh, I, I don't want any Dartmouth slander going on here. No, they, I, first of all, for the record. I defended Dartmouth and predicted their respectability. So I, I'm just more saying, like, 
it's really impressive. It's objectively impressive across the board. Like Harvard, going to Michigan, getting on a plane, Michigan 7-0. and And candidly, I, I will say I put big money on that game because if you eat too many cupcakes, you become a cupcake. One of the all-time scheduling blunders in the history of coaching, Michigan is now going to get rolled this weekend and got rolled last weekend because they played nobody who mattered. But what did Jerry Byrne do? He went on the road. He put together a hell of a game plan. Harvard, who a lot of people think is sixth in the Ivy, just beat the hell out of a Big Ten team with Power 5 football funding. Like, what wasn't even a close game. Yeah, I, I mean, it. I go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, like, the what, what I'm really impressed by right now, and maybe this is just a homer taking me because they're right in my backyard, but, like, the, this Penn team right now going out there and, you know, you're talking about shaking off the rush. You're not playing for a while. Like, you're not getting those, those close game reps, uh, you know, where you need your big guys to step up and make something happen. This is, what, like, three weeks in a row now where Penn has – I mean, they've, they've taken it down to the wire, but they all look the same on, on the, on the results at, at the end of the day, um, like just three buzzer beaters to, to get their, get their season going um, that win over Villanova. Pretty sure. I pretty sure I predicted that exactly how that was going to go on last week's episode. Um, they always play tight. Always. Like oh, oh, Penn, Penn but, is the classic. They play up to the big boys and down to the tier twos. And to your point, no panic, like inner Philly rivalry, no panic out of the team. Like candidly, you cannot slide off the point attackman. You just can't do it with like five seconds left. Got to let the pole shoot. So they got a gift, but we'll take it. But, but to go that long without playing a meaningful game and then still having the ability to be in those tight situations and, and get it done whichever way you can, um, I think that that so far has been the most impressive thing out of the Ivy to me, aside from that uh, Coulter Mackesy goal against, against Rutgers. Um, that might be one of the most impressive things that I've seen all season. But Dukes, what were you going to get at? Yeah, I think that Dartmouth, just my one Ivy League take that I will still say about Dartmouth. You love talking Dartmouth. I love talking Dartmouth ball. Don't arrest me if that's, a, that's an issue. But I, I genuinely believe that no matter how they do in non-conference, they will not win a game in the Ivy League. I don't even think that's crazy to say. By the way, Syracuse might not either. So, so Fair, that, no, doesn't, say, yeah. that doesn't frame. I actually think the league, and that, that's, that was going to be kind of my next bullet point, is I think the Ivy League conversation and what I feel strongly about needs to adjust from, oh, wow, look at like the early season momentum into we now live in a paradigm where when the Ivy Leagues beat each other, it should be looked at the way UVA beating someone is, where it's like Yale has to go to Cornell this weekend. If Yale loses that game, they should not drop in the polls. Cornell is undefeated. It's incredibly hard to play up there. It's a long bus ride. They're really good. So, like, that is now my new, just for your guys' reference, I'm going to yell at the clouds that when Princeton plays Cornell and when Brown has to go to these teams and when these top 10, top 15 matchups in RPI come selection Sunday, that should not hold you back. So, to your point, like, if Dartman goes 0-6 in the league but competes in lacrosse games, that is a gargantuan step forward for that program. Like, oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, and, for sure. Agreed I, with I that. love the way they're playing. They got kids I like on that team. I, and that goalie, by the way, is really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you figure like their, their schedule from here on out, at least like right now has three top 10 teams and five top 20. So um, I don't know. I Do you think that that's necessarily been the case where losses in the Ivy have have like yeah, hurt, I, would hurt. Say, I don't I, know if I've, I've always maybe I maybe the Ivy's a little bit deeper this year than than in years previous like I, I feel like there's always been like two top dogs in the Ivy every year that kind of just go back and forth and then the rest of them maybe not so much like this year maybe it, it's a little bit different now that you know five of them are currently in the top 20 three of those top top six at, at, depending on uh what what poll you're looking at um yeah I don't know. I, 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 would be, let's use an example. Duke in February, they are allowed to lose. Why? Because they've built a precedent of excellence that they round into form, that the ACC is such high level ball that they deserve to host come May. They, not only do they get in, they typically host. So the Ivy League, to your point, has not built up any track record of sustained tournament success. 
the three and four seed almost never gets in out of the Ivy tournament. It's no different than Patriot League, right? Or it's no different than the Big East other than Denver. It's the same concept where it's basically to, to, to be a non-ACC or, or Big Ten team to make the tournament, you typically got to go like 12 and three, 13 and two. Like you got to have a really special win-loss year. I think this year is an outlier in that it's actually setting up like, okay, let's use Princeton as an example. Princeton has two massive wins. They're, the rest of their non-conference schedule is way easier. If they go, say, four and two in league, but they lose in the Ivy Tournament semifinal, there is no world in my mind they should not host a home playoff game. But I don't know if the selection committee, and I don't know if the court of public opinion will feel the same way about that. If they don't win the Ivy, so that was just one example, right? And that could happen for any of these teams, Penn, Cornell. Like, these are good groups. Like, I, I was leaning hard into film this week, obviously, because our Ivy slate's about to pick up and just preparing mental, like, skeleton notes. And, like, when I watch Princeton's offense, like, that slusher kid, legit. That Nakasi kid you touched on who grew up right around the corner from me, he has the swagger of, like, a fifth year. He's a freshman. He's literally, like, dancing on kids' graves after pounding that top left corner. They they have not missed a beat, and I, there's just an energy that I feel that I, it's just really impressive. So I, I'm ho- I'm hopeful about it. I mean, I that- do agree. I do agree with the notion of if there should be, it should get to the point where there's at least three teams from the Ivy in the tournament every single year. I I I, I know I'm talking to two hockey guys, and I hate always like bringing it back to college basketball. But the Big Ten, the Big Ten in basketball, they kick the shit out of each other. Ten teams that every night will kick the shit out of each other. That's what the Ivy League is going to be this year. And they shouldn't be penalized for a good loss. And there's no good loss. but Well, so, you know, yeah, let's loss. actually, let, let's unpack this a little further. So in, in collegiate hockey, because of the volume of games, the pairwise is a way better representation of, like, who the best teams are. Because everybody plays, like, 30 games and only, whatever, 15 of them are in conference and then 15 out. So you have more data points. The issue is this. So I'm the head coach of Brown. I'm Mike Daly, and I'm calling up Lars Tiffany. Hey, Lars, you played at Brown. You want to play us again? Nope. Hanging up. Hey, John Tillman, you want to play us? Nope. Trap game. Hanging up. It's yeah. impossible for these second-tier schools to get AAA programs on their schedule because yeah. there's nothing to gain if you're Maryland or UVA, and there's yeah, everything no, to exactly. lose. So because of that, the RPI is not a fair representation of steady-state quality. And, and that is what sucks about the game of lacrosse. What I would do is I would expand the tournament, let all of the quality teams from like basically eight through 20, basically get in and play for the right to play the conference champs. That's what I personally do. Now, don't, don't you think that we should just get to a point where, cause I, the moment you bring in RPI, like that's when my brain just shuts off and I'm like, all right, now we're talking about computers. I'm, I'm out on this conversation. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's it's just I feel like it's just so much easier to just go eye test on on all of these teams. Like why 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 is that even? Oh, it's a it's a really interesting conversation. You you see it in college football playoff all the time. That committee has the unilateral ability to say they don't pass the eye test. They're not making the playoff, and that's really one of the only sports you can do that because you can literally go undefeated and not get in. Right? You see that all the time. So you're right to a degree. I, I think what you're getting at is like, should we put like hall of famers on the selection committee process? And will that net impact like the way seatings and the way inclusion works? Because basically what it is, it's like you have the tear sheets with the math and then you just chop it up about like, Hey, you know, what makes sense and travel distance and all the nonsense, unfortunately. Um, no, but I think you're onto something. And, I, and- I just, I just feel as soon as you start bringing it, numbers in that are generated by a computer like all of a sudden shit's not gonna make sense anymore like just give me give me a bunch of guys throw a case of beer in the middle of a table have them talk it out be like yeah like this team like yeah oh michigan unbelievable record but like you actually look at them play and they're actually dog shit they're not dog shit but they're i I just like to say that word a lot a lot of people get uh, offended by that word they they think that i use it a little too literally um they're just dog shit in the point where i don't think that they deserve to be in the tournament um but like you you can you can just like watch them play and be like yeah like that's that's a team that like can can do some damage against teams that are barely able to recruit anybody but they're going to get steamrolled in in a tournament so just i don't know get a bunch of regular dudes be like yeah like this team Brown looks like they'll be able to win a, a, a tournament game, throw them in there. 
I, I, I'm on team. You should expand the tournament, but uh, this is going to shock people at home. Joe Keegan, turn it off right now. I'm a huge fan of analytics. I'm like the biggest low key analytics guy of all time. So this is, this is, like, that's yes. Like I'm, I'm this is shocking. Like every time, like the PLL, like I'll look at Joe Keegan's like, like analytics that he shows me and like, I'll be like, Oh, fuck your analytics, Joe. But like, I definitely look at this shit. So I'll, I, I'll I, click them because I love Joe and I want him to get paid and I want him to stay gainfully employed, <laughs> but I won't read them. I'll click the link. Uh, I mean, sure he gets the there's, some, there's, there's some stats where I'm like, Joe, this data. is made up. Yeah, I love data, but it should be for the – like the way data is really useful is like the NCAA tournament bracket for basketball uh, Dukes. No, like exactly. It, it, it informs the bubble. It doesn't inform like the top six you know, mm-hmm. seeds in each region. Like the eye test, I think what Jordy's getting at, they should all be in. And then the bubble should be like, who else gets to play ball? Uh, we should have like play in games or something. Cause I do like, I agree with like the eye test thing, but like something, this also could just be like new brain me where like this is in yeah. my brain. Like I hate human error and having a bunch of bozos from the fucking NCAA decide which lacrosse team is going to get in because they're going to watch no lacrosse games the entire year. They're going to be like, I fucking played at Cornell in 1978. And they're going to like be like, I know that fucking Johns Hopkins is good, but they deserve to get in over a team like Brown. And it's like, well, no, anybody knows if the analytics back up that Brown's better and Brown has a schedule, why the fuck should Johns Hopkins go into the tournament just because they have the name? Like, that's what's going to happen with if we let humans decide. It pisses me the fuck off now that I'm thinking well, It's just it. the best product lacrosse has. Like, May, like, you know, basketball and hockey are winding down. Like, yep. the birds are chirping, the flowers are out, sundresses. You got, like, Klockner and Koskinen. And, like, how do you not want more of those games? Like, exactly. just expand the tournament. Like, uh, it's not that hard. So... Oh, well, I'll tell you what the eye test tells me is that Matt Brandau is a bad, bad man. Um, so big, big win for Yale over Denver. If, if we're going to stay on the Ivy, we'll stay on the Ivies for a little bit longer. I, I know that some people out there might, might get a little tired about hearing about the nerds, but what about I mean, the ACC? Yeah. Well, it, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the ACC soon because Warrior, the, we're going to talk about Q's all you the, ACC the ACC Stinks right now. The ACC is a garbage conference. That is a one-team conference, if I've ever seen one. Um, but real quick, the Matt worst, Brandau, the worst just, conference. The worst conference, by the way, in all sports. Every sport. Go on, Jordy. Sorry, I had to go. Um, uh, I'll I'll happily agree with that. Um, but yeah, five and three in that win over Denver. Uh, he's had four or five goals in pretty much all their games, besides that one loss to Penn State. And that loss to Penn State does look terrible now, um, especially with Penn State dropping another one to Bucknell uh, in the middle of this week. So we'll also get to, to Penn State in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Yale looked apart. I mean, I, I thought Yale returned to normalcy to a degree. It's it's what we've come to expect out of them, like cohesive defense. Athletic D middies, um, you know, clean plays between the lines, riding clear. And, and on offense, they've always been efficient. Like they don't – what makes Yale hard to to guard is that they typically don't beat themselves. Like they – the goal of any defense is to, to determine who and how. And like Yale falls for that far less than others, if that makes any sense. Like they commit to the Razor game. They commit to their high-wing picks. And they got guys like Brando coming off that. I, the big takeaway from this game for me – is Yale returned to normal. Denver is in trouble on life support, and their only path in, in my opinion, is the Big East automatic qualifier. So Denver and, and Billy T. Which, well, which Coach Tierney is addicted to losing. Love Correct. They have not like even when they're twelve and one, they've they've like lost like Providence or Marquette. Um, so that is just I think a change for like all of us across fans. We just become uh, become so accustomed to like Denver being a huge part of the national conversation. Um, so it'll be it'll be kind of fascinating to see if they can rally in Big East play. I will say the Big East is is down. Like Marquette, PC, those teams are not particularly good this year. So they easily could still win it and, and make some noise. I will shout out PC really quick because you know I'm a big Friar guy. They looked as dead as dead three games ago, and then they 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 started to pick it up. They got the big win over Vermont. Vermont looks like fucking shit compared to PC. Um, but I'll, I'll shout out the Friar guys really quick. I mean, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they upset someone in the semifinals of the Big East thing got clobbered in the finals. That's what PC does. They, win, they win, have one upset and they act like it's the fucking national championship. It would, it would, have, to, it would have to be Denver then because yes, I, exactly I, I don't see Georgetown getting knocked off that easily. Uh, this, is, this is officially a, a Graham Bundy Jr. podcast from now on too. Oh, uh, I like that. Just uh, mostly just because I mostly because I love the name, but also he's an absolute stud. What he had, I think he had four in that game against Richmond. 
could, could, could be wrong there, but um, yeah. So, all right, let, let, let's just wrap up the IVs real quick. Cause I, I know sure. that that's, that's what most people want to hear Larkin talk about. Cause he's, he's the resident expert on it, but you know, right now you're looking at, Obviously, a lot of impressive lacrosse coming out of the Ivies, especially because we haven't seen them play in so long. But who so far do you think has been the most impressive to you? I've, I've already mentioned that I, I've, I love the way that Penn is winning games. It would be nice if they would start to pull away in some of these wins a little bit. Um, you know, I think if you if you keep playing with fire like that, like you're going to get burned every once in a while. Um, but early yeah. on, like get, getting getting those those hard tests early on, I think are good for them, but uh, who do you like? Uh, you can well, obviously, I think, you can obviously I think talk we, about Brown, but no, no. I mean, listen, of course I'm going to, I'll yell at the clouds about Brown forever. Everyone knows where I stand on them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an all time Homer with that being said, I think what I've been the most impressed about is when you go left to right across the board, you're seeing really constructive and positive signs of life of what could be like a dog pile championship worthy team. So like working left to right, in no particular order based on where I think they'll end up, but just based on like current national rankings. So Penn Nova, right? No, that that's a trap game for, that's always a one goal game. Penn has no panic. They've basically had buzzer beaters in their last three. They have a gauntlet of an early season schedule. I think what people need to realize about Penn is that they, they play a brand and a style that is never going to end up with like 20 to 10 wins or flip the other side. They play incredibly like structured, cohesive hard-nosed defense they have active sticks their feet are better than people advertise I, I think they have two guys at close who I think are very good almost never get beat either direction um, and offensively I've actually been surprised I thought Hanley to a degree has I would have expected him to get like, the top of the Torton conversation um, but they can beat you from all six positions and I think that's a theme and the reason I started with Penn is I'd like to carry that across the, the kind of spectrum here when I watch Princeton Andrew Slusher stands out the most, but I think what makes Princeton deadly this year in, in comparison to years past, two years ago, it was like, can anybody stop Sowers? If you have like a first-team All-American close defenseman, you can potentially give them real trouble. I think what makes Princeton really deadly currently is that they've taken Chris Bates' pairs offense that he implemented at Princeton like over a decade ago, and they played very well for about eight years, and they've added in Culver Academy and Canadian influence and like hard righty lefty dodging. And now what they've developed into is they basically like lengthen slides. They put a ton of pressure on your backfill. And when the ball gets horizontally skipped, you're basically rotating out. You're axing out at an incredibly poor approach angle because of the length at which you'd have to fill. And these kids can finish like that Max kid. He's young. This Chris Brown guy has been scoring goals for like a decade. It feels like at Princeton. They're, they're very dangerous. I think that, they remind me a ton, actually, of what Buse is building at Cornell because everything I just said is basically applicable. Cornell, like post-Rob Pinnell, when they've been at their best, they've basically called Brody Merrill and they've called Culver and they're like, who do you have that can finish inside and who do you have that can run downhill, right? And when you watch that offense, big, strong kids, you know which way they're going, but you can't stop them, especially short sticks. And if they shoot efficiently, like if they shoot efficiently, they're going to be incredibly hard to beat. And I think that the call out for Cornell, which is different than Princeton, Cornell is still, I think, playing with their B to B plus game, whereas Princeton's like found another gear. And it's a question of can they maintain it? Um, Cornell, to me, is like they have such a high ceiling. Like this Gavin Adler kid on defense, that guy's a problem. Like he reminds me to a degree of totally in the sense that, uh, super active stick, good feet, but actually creates leverage. He gives leverage to try and bait you into like basically hanging your stick and he'll actually be willing to throw. And he's not all like meat and potatoes stick in the pocket, um, which I love. I mean, I love that about defensemen. Um, Yale's Yale. Like they're not going anywhere. Andy Shea's a proven, you know, he, he's a proven entity. Um, and then before I get to the Brown quickly on Harvard. And this is what kind of kills me about Harvard and, and what I won't appreciate about what happens this weekend. Harvard is not building. Harvard is not, uh, it's not a 10 year build. It's not a five year build. Harvard is the equivalent of Florida football fires their coach and the new coach is expected to go 12 and three. Harvard gets top five, top 10 recruiting classes. Like there are kids on that roster who can flat out play lacrosse. There's no reason they can't be a part of the national conversation this year and every year. So 
yes, should Jerry get a long runway and will he ultimately do well there? I'm sure he will. But when people are surprised, like when they go to Michigan, it's like, boys, Harvard doesn't recruit the way like Brown. Harvard gets, I mean, it's arguably the best school in the world. Like there's no reason they can't win right now. So it's great to see them back um, call out. And my poll of the week, I think, is that young freshman who is coming back from a tough knee injury and he's just flying around. I think he's a sophomore eligibility wise, but there's an LSM who, uh, his like hunger, he, he basically, every kid he's guarding, he's trying to take the ball. I love that when polls do that, they're not just not trying to get beat. They're actually trying to be aggressive. Um, love the way he's playing. And then to talk about my Brown bears, um, and in no way am I not trying to give them their shine. You know, I, so I piled into a car in the snowstorm on Saturday to drive to Ontario for the heritage classic. And I was really nervous about Stony Brook. Stony Brook has always played us tough. They're very solid. And through two quarters of that game, it was everything Stony Brook wanted. They basically won every clamp. Uh, Gunty was out hurt for us. And they were controlling tempo. Our goalie, people's goalie, 5'7", 260, was just making saves, keeping us in this thing. And what I loved about our response was I thought we basically had like our CC plus game. Dales and the boys went in at halftime homer. We came out with some adjustments, and we, we basically got the push we needed. And that's the type of game where you lose it, ruins your season. You win it, it's not going to be the you know the ultimate decider, but it will keep you afloat, keep you alive, um, and allow you to have the type of game that we're having this weekend, like Boston, St. Paddy's, packed house, going to Harvard. Brown hates Harvard with everything in their gusto. It's everything we don't want to stand for, right? It's like Windsor Knots and business schools and hedge fund managers. Like this is why you come to Brown is to go across the Charles and beat the pulp out of the crimson. Like I, this is, it's everything. So I'm getting in my Ford Explorer and we're driving North um, <laughs> of course. And then Dartmouth quickly, listen, they've shown some goddamn life and it's, it's incredible to see the goalie's great. Uh, Matt Paul on attack. I really like, I thought they have two athletic D mids and listen, you can't get back to championship ball without getting back to respectable ball. And I think that they're making huge strides in that department. That was probably the greatest rundown that I could possibly ask for out of out of the Ivy League. Uh, Dukes, I was probably going to ask you to follow up on on who you think has been the most impressive out of the Ivy so far. I, I don't know if you want to follow that. Um, I do have a follow up question real quick. Is, is there a reason why you're not on a on a coaching staff right now? Is that a. Well, like, yeah, yeah, honestly, I just wanted podcasting. As, oh, sorry. I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I can give you my mom's number. You can ask her that question. I thought about it coming out of school, to be totally honest with you, but love what I do. So no regrets. All right. Well, uh, Dukes, you got, you got anything on, on the well, you know, podcasting is my passion. Um, I really like just like talking lacrosse, not coaching it. Um, but, you know, if you're out there hiring, hiring, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm around. Listen, if, if there are any club teams out there with uh with with any coaching oh, hirings. Oh, 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 yes, yes, that's what I want to submit to. Dayton lacrosse. The A10 better fucking get a lacrosse league because Dayton's gonna run that shit for years to come. I'm telling you, if you're a recruit out of the Midwest, off the East Coast, they're gonna be a Dayton, Ohio. I swear to fucking God. I swear to God, and we're gonna run shit for years. And I'm gonna be the booster. At NIL deals, I got you. Money under the table. I don't know if I have you, but I'll try my best. I want to be a booster so bad, but that's my one. Are you, are you rattled about the basketball coach apparently going to Florida? Yeah, let's not talk about that. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, rattled. Only my way friend, to follow that up. No, my friend, my friend fucked with me. They were like, yeah, I heard there's a players only meeting. I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I hope the uh, I hope the Ivy League enjoys their one year in the in, in the spotlight because it seems like Dayton is coming for that crown in the very near Fuck future. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, I, I think that Duke's coaching a club team would be incredible content. So just just something that if, if anyone out there is listening and your team sucks right now and you hate your coach and you hate your life, how about you just fire his ass real quick at Duke's Duke's on the job. Uh, and then maybe maybe Larkin, you could just kind of moonlight for him. Um, can I yeah. say one funny thing about club lacrosse that like this? You, you can say, you can say, as, you yeah. can say as many like, you know, funny things like, about you know, club lacrosse Lark, as you want. Larkin's experience with college lacrosse, probably like legitimate g- drills, all this shit. Like my coach played in the MLL for the Rochester Rattlers. And I had to like find this out cause I didn't believe him. And during practice, he would legit 
teach us how to throw like um the craziest checks in the world like we would practice like over the head checks we would practice the can opener we would practice sounds like, like the uh, beardsley the video oh, <laughs> it's literally it was in, he literally is rick beardsley now that i think about it his name's zach eagle fucking legend. by the way um, dukes for the record you didn't do your homework i coached in the mcla when i was living no way i was a defensive coordinator at usc so Oh, um, right. I, am, I saw that on Twitter. I am more attuned yes. to yes. the club yes. dialogue yes. and banter than you're giving me credit. I'm not no, all, you know, I'm that's playing on ACC games. <laughs> that's I mean, on me. I, I it wasn't will... gritty. It wasn't gritty. You weren't playing D2 MCLA ball, though. D2 MCLA ball is like, as gritty as <laughs> yeah, it That could be there for a Minnesota bit. Duluth. <laughs> I will say, like, Lark, obviously, like, you have the ability to be one of the boys, but I can't imagine being some kid – going to to usc to play lacrosse thinking that i'm just going to go have practices like dukes is having in, in dayton where i'm just throwing can openers and rusty gates all over the place and all of a sudden i have larkin cam talking to me about my approach angles i'd be like no fucking way buddy i came here to just throw the dirtiest checks i can get away with take about five minutes and penalties every game and then crushing beers at halftime um yeah yeah but I, my two sentences on club would be it's actually a fascinating challenge for a coach because it's like the only job is to get the most out of the fellas, like whatever you got in the room. And if what you have in the room is guys that are going out till 3 a.m. and like tailgating before practice and like missing the bus, <laughs> then you got to figure out how to get the most out of them. So like, so what scheme you're going to run, you're going to go zone. You're just going to have them like basically stand there. It's, it's all really interesting, but yeah, we, we can, should we go Syracuse hop? Yeah. Well, sp- speaking of guys who aren't getting the most out of the room, um, that game, Jesus Christ. That was, that was probably, I I put this on Twitter and I said it at the very beginning of the game because it, it, it rained through them, but even more so as the game kept going, like that's the only game that I can think of where I'd much rather watch the coaches play against each other. Like, you know, give, give me, give me John Grant jr. Going up against Petro. Give me Gary gate out there and, and Mill like, Give me those guys playing because I don't know if I can watch another Syracuse lacrosse game or another Hopkins lacrosse game this season. Like that was just, it was boring. It was, it was just sloppy. Uh, You know, granted, maybe, maybe it looked a little bit worse than it. Like if maybe if some of those pipes, I feel like Q's hit like 40 pipes, like maybe if a few more of those dropped and the score got up a little bit, maybe it would feel a little bit more exciting than it actually was, but just at no point in that game that was there like any juice that you would hope to see uh, for a Syracuse first Hopkins game. And then uh, just, just have to imagine pretty, pretty brutal, brutal bus ride home for, for Petro to be leaving Homewood with, with that L. Yeah. I mean, it was like, take your breath away sloppy. Like I think the clearing numbers are like D two high school level efficiency. I was honestly, I was stunned. I, I to me, Dave Petromala is on the Mount Rushmore in terms of like the greats of the game. Like when I'm getting on that bus and Q's heading south, like there's nothing you want to do more than than go pound the Jays, like for your guy, a guy who by all accounts is like a great human being. Um, and you know, for Hop, they arguably looked worse because to your point about the pipes, and I actually thought Q's probably had, you know, they. Cuse outplayed him on paper. I think Gary said in his post-game quotes. Um, I think, you know, to some mates, it just showed how far the programs have to go. I mean, they are light years from being able to win four games in May consecutively. I mean, that was no bueno. I put it this way to Jordy, actually, before you hopped on. So I was watching a couple other things. I had, like, some basketball games, Selection Sunday. I was working on, like, the show, whatever. So I'm watching Cuse hop. And it's in the fourth quarter. You could kind of see that Hop's going to win. And someone in the office goes, oh, who won the Johns Hopkins-Syracuse game? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Hopkins was up. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't even know if I saw the ending. That's how boring it was. Because the last, like, three minutes or so, I'm not even, like, really tuning in. So I'm like, this is a great game. It was just a boring, boring fucking game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw Quinn had a line today. They've won 20 of the 50 in the modern era. Like, that is that is big boy ball. Like no matter the records, it should be Duke UNC basketball Cameron type energy. Like there should be a vibrancy to the mm-hmm. field, to the bench. And then you layer in one of the all time greats who mutual decision aside, basically got canned at a school that he loves. And I, 
I mean, if I was on the, I just can't believe it. I, the only thing I can think of is basically like squeezing the stick and overthinking it. And it showed how green some of their decision makers on offense are, but it, on both sides, but um, man, long way to go. Well, yeah. I mean, Syracuse offensively, just like, it just seemed like every possession was just the, one guy would end up with the ball in a stick for like eight seconds and just run into three guys to be a turnover to go the other way. And I'd be like, yeah, like this is the same shit that I yell at my high school kids about. Like, this is not what, what a Q's Hopkins game should look like. Um, was it was a decent game out of Tucker Dordovic. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe if you're Gary Gate, you're kind of just, you know, you, you take over the men's program and you think to yourself like, okay, like, you know, it might, might be a little bit of a slow year. We're going to have, you know, some injury troubles and all we have to do is just wait for Joey Spolina to get here. And then my life just gets like infinitely easier. So, um, you know, maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a, a nice little relaxed year for, for Gary in the suits. Um, oh, I, I do want to say though, outside of, of the actual uh, gameplay of that one, I, I am going to, uh, I'm going to give out my first official warning to Quint. Um, he was getting a little too liberal with the, with the turn and rake calls after goals on, on this game. There were like, there were like three goals in a row where, yeah, he, like five of them. Yeah, where, right. where, where it was turn and rake and like, listen, I, I love it. You know, I, I'm, I'm ne- you know, I, I feel like Quint was, you know, he's buzzing in there, you know, Quentin and Clark. Cuse and Hopkins. Like, I feel like it was just good vibes for him in the broadcast booth. Um, but eventually like the, the more you lose, use it, the, the less oomph it has. Um, so that, that's just my first warning for Quint. You gotta just reel it back in a little bit with the turn and rakes. Yeah. I mean, I fucking hate Quint. So I don't, I don't really, I didn't even notice that cause the volume wasn't on, but yeah, fuck that. That scene sounds annoying. I'm pissed off now. <laughs> I, I do. I like Quint now that I think that he's unblocked me, although I don't know if he's unblocked me on Twitter or maybe I just have a because my original Twitter account has been suspended. So maybe he just hasn't blocked my new one. Um, I did mention to it. I, I, I think that he unblocked me, though, before I got a new uh, new account. So I, I think I'm cool with Quint now. I got blocked before I even started working at Barstool. It was the first year of the PLL was after the Ocello fight. And he was talking about how this would never happen in the creators game at the MLL. And it really got under my skin. So I went at him pretty, pretty, pretty heavy. And I wasn't even like, like, Oh, I, you said had, you're blocked. Oh, on my old, like, on my old account. Yeah. I was blocked. Like I had 169 followers or something like that. And like, was just going at him all day. There was a nobody, nobody. Now I'm on the top 100 lacrosse podcast. Look at me, mom. Look at In you. Oh. <laughs> Look at me, mom. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to spend any more time talking about one of the worst games that I've watched this season. Um, but you know, ju- definitely wouldn't be upset if I didn't see another Syracuse or Hopkins game. Uh, Are you gonna say year. worse after but, Maryland beat Albany twenty four to six? Well, so here's the thing with that game. Like that, that was one of those games where, fortunately for you know, all, like I didn't really even get a chance to watch a lot of that game just because crazy weather all weekend. Uh, so many games, either you know, all the Saturday games. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them getting pushed up to either Friday or moved back to Sunday. Um, didn't even realize that that game had gotten pushed up to 10 a.m. until it was about you know like two quarters in, and the score is already like 19 to two. So uh, fortunately, I didn't have to watch the the death tour uh roll over uh albany in that one but yeah i mean maryland's just they they look every bit of the part um you know i think we'll we'll touch on it a little bit later in the show once we talk about this weekend mm-hmm. preview but um you know I, I know that it's it's a good year for the ivy but i really don't see many ways unless they end up having to play each other earlier where that's not a that maryland versus virginia game this weekend isn't yeah. uh you know, preview of the national championship. Um, yeah, two I mean, best oh, teams by far. Yeah, Completely. two best teams, and and really the only good team out of the ACC with Virginia. I really think that that should just be a one bid conference this year. Um, really tough, really tough weekend for them. Uh, Notre Dame suffers another loss to Ohio State. Uh, really tough road ahead of, for them, and I mean Duke losing to Loyola. That's just that's just terrible, unacceptable. Um, you know. I mean, historically, that that's a good matchup, Duke versus Loyola, but not not this season. Like that's one of those games, especially after you lose to Jacksonville earlier in the season. Like this, this is one of those points of the year where Duke, uh, you know, they can't really afford 
to lose those, those types of game anymore. And it just seems like this is a Duke team that maybe they, they see the name on the front of their Jersey. They think that they can kind of show up to these games and they're Duke and they're going to win. And all of a sudden you've got Kevin Lindley punching you in the mouth. And uh, you know, while he's punching you in the mouth, he's scoring a goal and then he's coming back and he's kicking you in the dick and he, then he's scoring another goal. Uh, and then it takes until you're down by 10 before your offense gets it going. And then at that point, it's just too little too late. Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm going to start with a kind of like high-level statement about the ACC. I, I think this is a fascinating look into the, what the team-building net impact of the influx of the portal. So three teams that are drastically un- underperforming, arguably, right, are like Notre Dame, Cuse, Duke. What do all those teams have in common? They went out and they basically told the, the kids on campus that they, they don't think they're good enough. We're going to go – put a for sale sign out and take anybody who wants to come. And does it work in some situations? Absolutely. Of course. But does it potentially then create chaos, especially on offense with who's going to get the rock and how it's all going to fit together? Cause on paper, Duke's offense is one of the biggest underperforming groups I've seen. I mean, how can you say they aren't? I mean, they have a generational lefty. I mean, there's like five guys on the planet who can stop him one-on-one um, to go down 10-1 to Loyola and uh, not necessarily be even really generating quality looks. And, like, it didn't feel – it's not as if Loyola had, like, a – you know, just got hot in net and, you know, Duke got what they wanted. I think mm-hmm. uh, the top six midfielders for Duke were basically bageled. I think three of their midfield goals came from guys who typically run, like, 7-8-9. So, um, it, it, it's been it's been really surprising. And uh, Duke, I think, is now, like – truly teetering on the edge of no longer potentially hosting. Like I think they are, if they lose twice to Virginia, which is very likely and beating Cuse won't mean what it once did uh, come selection Sunday, where do you go for your other big, you know, big quality wins to say that you should be hosting? Uh, You know, I'm just not sure they're there. Do you think that Duke lost on purpose because they're mad at Jackson? Like they want to spite Jacksonville and hurt their strength of schedule. So like now mm-hmm. that that win for Jacksonville doesn't look that good. And then you factor in that loss to Utah. Like, I, I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe Jacksonville to quickly touch on the SoCon is on a collision course with Asher Nolting to play big boy ball for the right to go play like that. There's no way to come out. Like, it's just not going to happen out of the SoCon. You're not going to get any credit playing Mercer and whoever, um, so that you can circle that. That'll be the first weekend in May, and it, it'll be a great game. I mean, I, I'm excited for both programs, obviously. High points had more cracks at it. I think it'd be fun for the sport for Jacksonville to win it, but I think Asher Nolton has something to say about that. Yeah, here's I another, don't know. I don't know who I want to win. Here, here's here's a, here's another take. Now, now my, my brand, I'm just kind of spitballing here, so I'm workshopping these ones real quick, but this one actually makes a whole lot of sense in my mind, um, especially you know any, anyone who watches Righteous Gemstones. Um, so I, I think right now maybe, maybe Matt Donowski is looking to take over and, and that, that head coaching mantle from his old man, right? Because he sees his buddy John Galloway. They were, they were Chrome teammates together, were they not? So they, they were playing together on the court. Like he sees his buddy, John Galloway, taking that Jacksonville program, big head coach, doing the thing, getting a lot of, a lot of shine. Meanwhile, he's still under his dad's shadow at Duke. So maybe he's like, all right, boys, like, listen, we're going to, we're going to shit the bed and we're going to shit the bed heavily this year. My old man's going to get pushed out and then I'll take over. Like maybe he just wants that mantle. Um, well, did you hear that? This is Ganowski's last year. The, was that right? was that actually said, or are we just are we just putting that out there right it's now? Coach K's last year. It's Coach K's last year, so Dino might also leave. I'm just going off off your take. I think that two greats are going to leave Duke this year. Those are two Dinesky. really really hot takes. No, there's no way Dino goes anywhere, especially on a down year. He's so competitive. I mean, but that all joking aside, Jordy, like that only adds question marks to this equation. Is like Ned Crowdy and Matt Dinowski are two of the best offensive minds like ever. So, uh, you know, it it just it, it all circles back to like, man, are they going to get it going here uh, with the types of recruits that they have in their top nine? But we'll see. I, I like 
the rumor that it's Danowski's last year. So I'm probably going to hop on that, but Larkin, you're the one with an actual brain here. Do you think that his seat is, <laughs> is, do, do you think that the, the warmers are at least on, on the seat? Like maybe not all three lights for the, for the heat warmers on the seats. Like maybe, maybe he's rocking in at like a one or a two, like just warming up the tushy a little bit, just so it, you know, it's not. Uh, no, to, to end that quickly. I listen, there's, there's a couple of ways that typically national championship winning coaches could ultimately get like shown the door. One is like remarkable sustained mediocrity. Okay. That's not really happening at Duke. Like Duke's been Duke was in championship weekend, like two years ago. And you don't have to go that hard in on Yeah, but They they haven't won since 14. Okay. And, and the second and third point are more important. Alumni relations. Now he's like the coolest cat ever. Everyone loves him. And third is uh, recruiting. And I think next year they have like three of the top six kids. <laughs> so. all, all joking aside, do you want to actually hear an absurd take that I have that Danowski's going to finish his career at Hofstra? Like that's a take that I, I actually kind of believe. Oh yeah. I mean, like the Billy Tierney route is such a cool way to go. Like, yeah, there, there's no cooler concept than, Hey, I did it here. I'm going to go do it there. You know, like yeah. it's, it's not the school it's on the greatest. Like I, I love that. I love when coaches do that stuff. Um, you he know, got Hofstra close. He got Hofstra really close. He's from Farmingdale. Like his kids grew up on the Island. I, and Seth Tierney, I love Seth Tierney. Ryan's like a friend, good, uh, good program, but they haven't really been getting the job done lately. Seth could be on his way out soon. If he doesn't make the NCAA tournament, just watch out for 80 year old Donowski getting wheeled out to short stadium at, on Long Island and just winning a national title. I swear, I swear to God, it's a take. Oh, all I the crazy for. takes. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I've heard crazier. I got, I guess. Uh, Jordy, can you just buy into this one? Buy, buy, buy stake in this one right now. Like I, I mean, I now. mean, he'd, he'd have, he'd have a little, little, little known high school called uh, Garden City. Yeah. yeah. There he could get all from, the degenerates so. that get, ki- all the degenerates from Garden City that like get kicked out of other schools. They'll go to Hofstra. I mean, we can Hofstra's a, that. by the way, Hofstra's a great job. Like it's right in the hopper. Oh, yeah. You can build a winner there easily. I mean, they, they sure already agree. do. For sure. Agree. Uh, speaking of hot seats, Tambroni, where, where's, where's the, the seating warmers on, on his right now? Um, you know, he's zero. You, you think that yeah. his seat is, is, is ice cold still just super chill, like a leather seat on a, on a blistering cold day. You think that, it, you know, talk about, you know, you're going outside to your car. It's snowed the night before. You've got like five inches on the windshield, leather seats, 3 a.m., freezing cold. You put your you put your ass on that seat and it sticks to it. It's so cold. Um, um, well, I was just hearing we were talking about the Larkin was talking about the transfer portal, right? The transfer yep. portal. Duke's kind of having a down year. Brennan O'Neill committed to Penn State in seventh grade. I mean, I kind of who says no to Brennan O'Neill? Easier grades, good education. It's not Duke, you know. We're not. I'm not going to compare Penn State's education to Duke. I mean, that's just a stupid statement. But you know, you get a good degree. Go back home, Brennan. Go back home. Win Tambroni his job back. Win him a national title. I mean, I, that's, I a, say, that's actually something. I, to look I think out for. what Jordy introduces is like a fascinating question: is the moment lacrosse will know it's arrived and it's nationally big time is when a coach that by all accounts has done like very good work gets canned based on the weight of expectation at a blue blood. So like Tambroni, he's been to a final four, he's raised money for a stadium. Like he's done a lot of good things. If a guy like that to Jordy's point, like basically gets fired on the tarmac, like he's like Lane Kiffin with USC that mm-hmm. to me actually, and I don't think it's going to happen in, for him in particular, but if that did happen, that would be to me like, oh, oh, wow, there's like big boy booster money at play here. And there's, I mean, this is no longer your mom and pop niche spring sport. I mean, this is, this is serious. Like, here's an example. How about Brian Holman? How about Utah having the highest expectations out of maybe anyone? <laughs> Brian Holman got two years. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is he coaching college basketball? Like, yeah. No, that is fucking insane. Yeah, no, a hundred. You know, my but the only thing I want to hear your opinion on this is my lacrosse has arrived thing is if Schellenberger or Brendan O'Neill leaves for the PLL early, like they leave after the junior. No, there's no way. There's. Hear me out. I've I've worked out this. Those two aren't going to do it, but 
your take isn't crazy. Like 10 years from now or two yes. decades, yes. that'd be a colossal moment in the history of the game. No doubt about it. You're right on that. Um, the issue is that what, what the NLI has done is it's forever changed. Like you can make a hundred grand at school and still like party with co-eds, right? Yes. Yes. Versus yes. go live in, you know, it's like you're playing indoor for well, Saskatchewan. Like you really want to be hanging out out there. Or do you want to be at UVA? Like, ah. Larkin, Larkin, no, I've workshopped this. I don't know how it works logistically, but just say, all right, the PLL, if you're listening, I would listen closely. They throw Schellenberger a bag. They're like, this would be very good publicity if you left school early. You're going to be like the number one pick in the draft. Leave. We'll throw you good, good money. I don't know what good money is for the PLL right now. I don't know what it'll yeah, be in a couple dude, years. What's good money? I, I'm saying six things. Like you're that's, locked in. That's six to move the needle for Connor Schellenberger right now. If you hear don't, me out. No, if hear you me don't out, think Connor Schellenberger is burning by guys right and left, going seven and four on ACC defensemen and getting paid in envelopes of cash from boosters, then you know nothing. No, but you, you know, this is when it gets, this is when it gets good. Because when's the PLL season? It's from June 1st after school ends to September 21st, a couple weeks in. Shelly could go back to college his senior year and won't have to play lacrosse. He could just party, get the minimum grades. He could have the fucking PLL money. He could have the sponsorship money. He'd be making more than NIL. It would be. All right. All right. I actually have something to workshop here. I don't hate the take. Let me add some complexity. In the game of golf, you can play as an amateur in professional events and not lose your eligibility. So play for free, just like for pop. That actually is something fairly fascinating. What if, to your point, no season overlap. What if you can basically constructed a structure where the hottest hottest names in collegiate lacrosse could go play like lefty attack or whatever point attack in the summer circuit. And then the television rights and the pop and the buzz. I don't know. I mean, listen, it's not going to happen now because there's just not enough money. I, I'll, I could tell you what I mean. It's not enough to move the yeah. needle. Like college was just too much fun. I mean, it's just for sure. Want to go to college. Um, but yeah, I do get the college thing. Cause I know every college player is like, it's so much more fun. It just means more than like the, the professional, but back to the golf thing. I'm like a golf diehard. Have you guys never found that insane? You're telling me that as an amateur, you can tee off with tiger woods at Augusta national, but Terrell Pryor can't get a tattoo at Ohio state. Like what, what are you talking about? I've always thought it was weird. Isn't that just crazy? Like there's none of it makes sense. Wasn't there something like a couple of years ago, like an amateur won the tournament and couldn't collect a million dollars or something? I'm I'm right now. I'm, I don't know how good I'm going to be for the rest of this episode because I'm now, my brain is just stuck on a, on an amateur going and and just, and just hop like hopping in the lineup in a PLL game this summer. And then going back to play in college. Like I, Hey, one more I, proposition about this. I, I think that there's something there, but then another part of me is like, there's no way, like, as far as like insurance goes, that that would that that would work in a in a contact sport. But I still love the idea. And now I'm not quite sure how I get my brain off of this to finish the rest of this episode. But go ahead. Well, dude. Okay. What about this Midsummer Classic All Star Break? The All Stars play an All Star team from the USIL like North South game. Like basically, oh, I like, like that. I like so, that. I but like but that. here's no. So here's the thing though. I think though with with guys like Schellenberg and, and Brendan O'Neill, I don't think that the PLL would go for that. Right, because they don't want their product to seem that's diluted. yeah no yeah. and that's a fair comment well, no way. no 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 I'm, I'm saying like they don't want to lose to those guys that's what i mean like if they lose <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah yeah okay 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 um, no it's a fair call but it's listen at the end of the day and i'll give the rables this they they they're media guys like they understand it's about impression it's about buzz about growth marketing like listen i work in the wrestling business you know we don't want uh you know, one of our stars to lose to Pat McAfee, but we're going to let him wrestle like it. There's, and that's scripted. I'm not a perfect comparable, but if, if it meant moving the needle and basically increasing the buzz and selling out stadiums and all that stuff, then maybe they'd consider it. I don't know. Now that we've gotten in this rabbit hole, it excites me, but um, the good news is the reason we're in the rabbit hole is because we have a lot of pop right now at the top of the game. Like this Schellenberger kid is a joke. Like the fact hey, so that him and Matt Moore, it honestly, candidly, it makes me a little bit like nauseous. The embarrassment of Richards that my old coaching staff gets to play with. Like imagine being Sean Kerwin, like how fun your job is. You wake up. It's like, Oh, who are we going to give the ball to? Yo, I have the funniest Sean Kerwin story. We want. (laughs) Virginia, Virginia basketball got smacked last week by UNC. And it was right after Virginia lacrosse beat UNC. So I went up to my coworker who I'm watching the games with, and I was like, hey, Jake, don't worry about the basketball team. It's lacrosse season. You guys look good. 
And I made a video and like, it got like two likes, but Sean Kerwin was one of them. He was like trolling the basketball program, like low key. It was so funny. Funny guy. guy. Yeah. What a job he's got now. He's going to get a, and he'll do very well. Anyone listening who decides these types of things should give him a big time job. He will, he will do well as a head coach. Um, Cause he, beyond the riches, he has a very good mind to, to gain leverage and set up matchups. Um, and candidly, what UVA does is what some of the other ACC programs are struggling to do. They are not, regardless of the early season inefficiency, they are not basically adjusting on fly and like, just, okay, the sixes isn't working. Let's go big little and let's just get it done. Let's go Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh. Let's go fill the net, right? Like that's what Kerr's doing a good job of and the others aren't. Um, Duke in particular, obviously. Can't be losing. Loyola's like, guys, Loyola, this isn't Loyola with like Romar Dennis and Scott Ratliff running out mm-hmm. the tunnel. This is a very average Loyola group that they just lost to. Yeah. Life is always easier when you have Connor Schellmer going four for six. And then you also have Matt Moore, who people forget highly, highly underrated. Um, shout out RP3. Recruiting at such a high level that Schellenberger redshirted. That is insane, dude. He could have put up a hundred points as a freshman. Took a year off. I, I I think he probably knew that the NIL was coming in and probably was like, yeah. hey, I, I got to yeah. stick around for, for a time, little bit longer. Time out, time out really quick. Hilarious. Do you guys remember last year when he skipped his freshman year? And I think the first two games, he had like th- two points combined in the first two games last year. And people were saying, oh, he didn't play last year because Lars knew he sucked. That was a legitimate take on lacrosse, like on lacrosse Twitter. People forget. People were really out on Schellenberger, like the first two or three games into his collegiate career because he skipped the first season and they're like, oh, like, it's because he sucked. It wasn't because there was like a like uh, too many riches. It was because he stunk. Crazy. You know that oh. scene in Happy Gilmore where McGavin's telling the lady his jacket size, like Schellenberger. You can just write just, uh, it just, on just, the- just just yeah, just a quarter inch, just a quarter inch shorter on my left. It's like how many tables is he gonna get? And like who's gonna be invited? And what suit he's gonna wear? It's not whether he's gonna win the uh, the T well. Mm-hmm. Absolute maniac. Um, oh, you know what? Listen, before we wrap up, uh, so obviously we had a, a ton of great games in college lacrosse over the weekend. Um, we, we had a few good ones over in the middle, actually not really a great middle of the week schedule besides Bucknell knocking off uh, Penn state. Great win for the bison. Um, but great moment in club lacks. Uh, so sure by now everyone has heard the story so indiana taken on clemson think both teams were down in liberty uh probably playing a few games that weekend Mm -hmm. but indiana uh versus versus clemson and this game was going uh going pretty well for clemson going into the going into the fourth quarter uh when unfortunately player uh hold up let me let me make sure that i get the name right here uh john holcomb who had a couple goals it looks like earlier in the game so he was having himself a great little game uh then had a medical issue collapse on the field and that is where indiana I see him here with a long pole. So uh, probably just a a real silky LSM who gets up and down the field and transition. Isn't afraid to join the rush probably has a few assists to his name. Uh, But Harris Jaffe Jaff, I I would say Um, he, he heeded the call. uh, You know, saw, saw this John Holcomb go down on the field. Uh, He had previous EMT training actually as it, happens uh you know he was involved uh he was going to school that school in florida that high school in florida that had uh that that shooting a few years ago so i'm not quite sure if the ent training is uh is connected with that or not but either way he had the training he knew what to do and when a scary situation arose he hopped right on up acted like a hero uh, and and helped his opponent uh the best that he could until uh, the paramedics arrived him as, as well as the training staff at Liberty. So, um, you know, all those guys just making sure that they help out there, you know, one, one of their own and just unbelievable moment. Uh, seems like John's do, doing great. seems like he, I've already seen him tweeting stuff like, so he's, he's probably feeling, feeling pretty well. Um, so awesome moment there of sportsmanship and just being a, you know, just, just being a dude and, you know, totally. I mean, it's, what, I, honestly, I was so moved by that story, like what that kid, what both kids obviously now have been through, but to have the composure 
as a 18 to 22 year old to like in the heat of battle, be able to kind of like metaphorically take off your lacrosse helmet and put on your ENT hat um, and save this kid's life. Like, what more can you say? Like, we're not talking about a neurosurgeon. This isn't like on a plane when someone says, are there any doctors on board? Like, this is a kid who in the summer probably like helped drive an ambulance. And for him in that moment to not like shudder and shut down and to do the exact opposite, like some of the quotes from the trainer was like, he was redirecting like where, where the airflow should be going. And we like put him on his side and like all this stuff. Um, I was really, really moved by that story and, and obviously incredibly happy for, for both families. It's just an insane story. I'm looking at the kid Harris Jaffe's Twitter right now. It's just, it gives me goosebumps. You know, you, I feel like it's kind of unfortunate you hear one of these stories every year, but it's just always great that the medical attention is there right now in the sport. And it's on call, and I'm just happy that one of uh, one of our players in the community was there to to save a life. It's just yeah. It's quick stuff. plug, actually, for all the young kids, please wear shoulder pads. Like that story out of Loyola last year about the kid yeah, exactly. Hit like, trust me, if the pro, pros are all doing it now, like all the big boys, like I, I promise, you don't have to be cool and go to the summer tournaments and not wear them. Put them on. Stay safe. Actually, our our guys are currently. I, I don't know if this is a, a total. Uh, just a new rule in high school or whatever in general, but the, the new shoulder pad shoulder pad has like this extra plate over there. Yeah. Over they the put like a little echo thing. Exactly. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. want me to just to read down my themes for this weekend? Cause I think, it, I think you guys will like it. Um, so Navy, Navy hop, I have must, must win for both staffs in terms of just like momentum for the off season. Lehigh army. I got army trap game because of Lehigh's Fogo. That's Sisselberger kids. Unbelievable. Um, Yale at Cornell, Penn at Princeton, heavyweight matchup that'll determine Ivy League tournament seedings. Michigan at Notre Dame, I got ND must win or the path to 500 incredibly challenged because of the, the strength of the ACC schedule. Um, Bucknell at Loyola, loser to a degree is May relevant. Like this is almost must win territory for them. Um, Brown at Harvard, loser will have very challenged path back to three and three in the Ivy League to go to the Ivy tourney. Uh, Virginia at Maryland, winner likely the one seed come tournament selection Sunday. Duke at Towson, must win for Duke in the sense that I just think they need the the mojo and momentum. They got to win that game. That's what I had. You know, I don't have much to speak on for this weekend. It's a lot, got a lot of college basketball going on, but there's two games I'm definitely going to pay attention to. Notre Dame, Michigan, love Notre Dame. Uh, I really think they got to bounce back in this one. I think the cupcake schedule for Michigan is going to go work in Notre Dame's favor. Um, I think Entman's going to have a big game. He's he's got to have one. He's in his head right now. And then my second take is Virginia by, I don't know. It's going to be a really good game, but Virginia by X. I don't know what, but yeah, I think I, 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 I know I know you had a, a bit of a gripe though with the with the scheduling of that game. Yeah, what the fuck are they fucking doing? Like that was bullshit. Middle of March Madness, you're going to pull the game at three o'clock on ACC network. I mean, what are we doing here? ESPN? Like, do you think nobody watches college basketball people? If you don't even watch college basketball, you're going to watch it in March on a Saturday. Nonetheless, like, why don't you push this game back to a Friday night or, you know, cause actually Friday night does not work at all. Any other day, any other day besides the first weekend, I'll say any other day. I'm it, livid about this shit. It, it, it does. It does seem pretty absurd. Last that week, they, just do it last week. Yeah, that that they they knew that like there was no way. First off, it's it's gonna be at the very least a rematch of the last national championship game. Let alone they probably could have put two and two together and realized this is probably a pretty good potential preview for this upcoming national championship game. And then to slate it right in on this weekend, pretty pretty tough look. Um, also, I, th- I think is is that. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I pray to God that I'm wrong here, but I think that that's a Big Ten network game. Um, oh, yeah, my I'm, God, even worse. What yeah. I'm most excited for, just quickly, is the coordinator matchup. Perwin on Tillman. Like, Tillman, he, I don't think he's probably slept in 14 days trying to figure out how to stop those two big guns, and that's that's like a where were you type of event. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, I don't have a, a particular lock of the week uh, as, as far as any teams go, but what I do think we'll ha- we'll see this week. Uh, so Xavier Arline, he, he got himself his first uh, college lacrosse goal this past weekend at Navy. 
He's got Hopkins coming up uh, tonight, actually. So if you're listening to this on Friday, I believe that that is the Friday night game. So a little little happy hour lacks for all of us at home. And I think that, uh, you know, he finally he, he got that first one off his back. I think that this is a big time. Uh, see you later, Hop. I'm about to just stomp you to death real quick. So big Xavier Arline game. Don't think that you could probably uh, take any uh, Arline prop bets. But if you could, I'd take the over. And that is going to do it for this week's slate of games. Larkin, thanks as always for hopping on. Unbelievable. Of out of you, uh, Dukes, I, I know you've got Subscribe. a busy, busy weekend. Yeah. Make sure you guys are subscribing Subscribe. to the YouTube. Uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the crease dive. Uh, listen, if, if we get to a hundred YouTube subscribers in, in the next. Subscribe boys. Help, help, I'll, eat, I'll eat a nugget for every hundred followers we get I'll, from a hundred onward. I'll eat a nugget. So Two followers, one nugget. (laughs) And in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. Mm